We're very thankful for everything that you've done here, and I mean that sincerely. So let's give them a round of applause, folks. We want to miss them. Love you, man. Yeah. He is helping a uh, church that's revitalizing, so we are claiming that church as our own um, as he goes. So uh, I'm sure that he's going to do, do wonderful things. All right. Well, um, this message this morning was not planned a year ago. Just want to be up front with that. Uh, about three weeks ago, I started thinking maybe I should do something different. <clears throat> and something was impressed upon my heart. And to be honest with you, it started, it may have been more than three weeks ago. Time is such a blur now. Uh, it started with this picture that I found on Facebook of the wood rings and a chicken coop that they built. Okay, so this is their chicken coop. Yeah, thank you. The first service was like silent. You know what I mean? And I think this is pretty impressive. This is like the Taj Mahal of chicken coops. I've seen other people's chicken coops. They're not like this one, right? And so this, this is a very uppity, you know, snooty chicken. These are snooty chickens, snooty eggs that they are raising. I bet when the eggs come out, you don't even have to clean them. I, I bet that's what it is. So here's, here's another view of this chicken coop, right? <clears throat> and, and what a... What a great place for a chicken to live. Like you would be honored, like not even knowing that other chickens don't live like this because you never get to go anywhere, right? Except for the dinner table. So, so chickens. So I started thinking about chickens and I started reading up on chickens because I don't have a life and this is just stuff that I do from time to time. <clears throat> and so I have seen a chicken try to fly before and it was very comical to me how they flap their rings and they try to get up off the ground and it was very comical to me. So I decided to look up to see if chickens could really fly. And actually chickens, they can fly. They, they can actually fly. They're equipped to fly. And so just in case you're somebody that doesn't have chickens and don't believe that, I have a video of a chicken flying and here it is. She's about to take off. It's pretty impressive, right? Right? And so the reason that the chickens that I've seen don't fly is because they're fat. <laughs> they're out of shape. They're lean, right? They're just lean chickens, so they, they can't get up off the ground. They don't have enough. They can't get running enough or whatever to get going. So chickens that I've seen can't fly because they're, they're getting bigger. You see, we take chickens and we feed them right? Because we want them to get big. Because nobody wants a skinny chicken leg. Nobody wants a skinny wing during football season, right? Nobody wants thighs that are small, right, on a chicken. You want the thighs to be big, the legs to be big, the wings to be big, all the meat to be big, as big as possible. So we feed them. But we not only feed them, we also protect them. And see, Chickens fly because they can fly away from predators. Like if they were wild, they would be able to fly away from predators and get, get away from predators that might be trying to eat them. But we don't do that. We, we stick them in chicken houses. We feed them. We take away any, of, any reason for them to fly away from a predator. We basically make them safe 
and we make them secure and we give them everything that they need. And that is why they have become food. Now listen, when humans are given everything that they need and they are made to feel safe, they become food. A different type of food. Nobody eats them, but they become part of a system. Like it's, it's just a retraction. They feel safe and they forget how to actually live. They forget how to live. You see, you can't live and be safe. You can't. To live, you have to take some level of risk. You have to get out of your safety zone. See, we do a great, dis- uh, a great not disturbance, disservice, I couldn't say that word, thank you, disservice to children when we make them too safe. See, it's my belief that you need to get some type of swing set and let them fall off of it. It's my belief that you need to get them some type of bicycle to ride in the yard without the training wheels so they can fall down. It's my belief that every now and then your children just needs to be allowed to get hurt because if you make them too safe, your children will become food for the culture. That's what will happen. But it's not just children. It's adults too. Adults need to step out of their comfort zone. They need to do things that have a little bit of risk to it so that they can actually live. You cannot live if you're constantly seeking safety. You can't. You only live when you step forward and you actually experience the world and you have risks that are a part of your life. Now, (laughs) eagles. Nobody's ever asked the question, can an eagle fly? Nobody's ever asked that question. We all know it. We see them. We see pictures. Most of them are like this one. They're flying through the air. Sometimes they're in a nest, but it's way up high, like in a mountain or in a a tall tree. They're in a nest. They're in a cubby. Nobody's ever thought that maybe an eagle could not fly, except for one time. I was up at Bush Gardens. We were were experiencing Williamsburg, Bush Gardens, and they have this like eagle sanctuary there where they were restoring eagles. And my question to the person that was talking to us about eagles was, can these eagles fly? And they said, no, because they've been injured and therefore they cannot fly. So an injured eagle can't fly, but they're designed to. So eagles, you know, fly up in the air, see all kinds of stuff, and chickens are grounded. Now, if I was to take a poll right here in the room, and I was to ask you if you'd rather be a chicken or an eagle, I guarantee you the majority of the people in this room would say, I'd want to be an eagle, right? I want to be an eagle. I want to be eagle. I would rather not be a chicken. There's a couple of you that are just ornery, and you would just say, I want to be a chicken for whatever reason. And that's perfectly fine with me. You can be ornery. Nonetheless, most of us in this room would want to be an eagle. We'd want to fly. We would want to have that sort of power. Well, let's say that we were having a conference for a bunch of chickens. Okay? We were having a bunch, uh, we were having a conference for a bunch of chickens, and it was a motivational conference. A motivational conference. And the topic of the conference was how to be an eagle. So we had all these chickens out here, and we're talking to them how to be eagle. And there's an eight-step process 
of how you can be an eagle. And the chickens out there are like, yeah, I want to be an eagle. Yeah, I want to fly a little bit more. Yeah, I need to go on a diet. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk out. And all these chickens are literally pumped up, going out. You know, I'm going to be an eagle. You know, I'm going to be an eagle. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be this eagle. It's going to be great, right? It's going to be great. And so they try. They try their best. They do all the eight steps, and they do it over and over and over again. And they're really trying to be an eagle. They're really trying to do it, and they just can't do it. And a couple of months later, they are frustrated. They are sad. They are depressed. And they're chickens in need of therapy. <laughs> because they just can't be an eagle. They try and try to try to be the eagle, but at the end of the day, they're chicken. In fact, if you, if you were to have them come out of the conference on how to be an eagle, they'd be like, I'm going to be an eagle. Bah! I'm going to be an eagle. Bah! I'm going to be an eagle. Bah! I mean, they'd, be, they'd just be chickens. You can't do that. Why? Because they were not created to be eagles. They were created to be chickens, and they have a purpose. The same thing can be said of eagles. Eagles can't be chickens. They just can't be chickens. And if you have an eagle that you raise as a chicken and you kill it, it's not going to taste like chicken. I don't even know. Whoever made up that thing, you know, you, somebody served me goat one time and they said, it tastes like chicken. I tasted it. It doesn't taste like chicken. It tastes like goat. It has a little flavor on it. Doesn't taste like chicken. People that say that have no taste buds. Just don't trust them. It does everything. Doesn't taste like rabbit. Anyway, on and on. So you just can't say to a chicken and convince them that they can be an eagle, and they go out and accomplish that task. This is a lie of our society. We have these conferences, and we tell people if they think like this. They can be this. And we, and we infect them with this idea. So we start, we have leadership conferences, and we say that you can be a leader, you can be a leader, you can be a leader, you can be like this guy, this guy, and here's your eight-step process. And people leave that, and they think, they identify with it, and they think that they can go out and be whatever that conference tells them that they can be, but they can't. They can't do it, and they become frustrated. You cannot be something you are not created to be. Just because you identify as it doesn't mean that's something that you can become. I'm identifying as the best mechanic in America. I'm quitting my job today, opening up a shop, and I'm going to give Derek Cornette a run for his money because I am the best mechanic. Now, instantly, you are looking at me saying, what? You are not a mechanic, right? You've heard messages here where I've tried to fix something on my car. I am not a mechanic. And just because I decide to be a mechanic doesn't mean that I can be a mechanic. I am not designed to be a mechanic. And if truth be told, I don't even like oil on my hands. I'm a man, but I don't like oil on my hands. Gun oil, maybe, but other types of oil, no. Okay? 
maybe that, but no other types of oil. I just don't like it. When I go outside, I use gloves when I'm, I'm digging in the ground. I am that kind of wimpy guy, if you want to say that. Just can't. You look at me and you say, he can't be a mechanic. And you're absolutely right, because I'm not designed to be a mechanic. I'm designed to be something else. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 139. Psalm chapter 139. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 139. Woo. Catch my breath a little bit. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 139. And this is what it says. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I don't know if God created you to be a chicken or if he created you to be an eagle or if he created you to be some type of of person. I do know, I'll have to step back and say, I do know generally what he's created some people in this room to be. I mean, I know, I've known you for a while, so I know you. But this is what I first want to tell you. You are not a mistake, and God created you for a specific purpose. And if that purpose is to be a chicken, there is nothing that you need to do to hang your head. You need to be the best chicken that you can be. You need to fly as much as you possibly can, You need to take exactly the talents and the giftedness that he has given to you, that he's put inside of you, and you need to be the best chicken you can ever be. And if you're in this room and you're an eagle, you need to be the best eagle that you are created to be because God doesn't make mistakes and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you are wonderful. It says in this passage, wonderful are your works. God did not make a mistake. He made you correctly. You see, in Scripture, Scripture says that the first, eagles, will be last and the chickens will be first. The first will be last and the last will be first. This means that there is something valuable inside of anybody that we think is less than an eagle. Something very valuable. So valuable that God will take that individual, that's the chicken, and make him first in his kingdom and take the eagle that we think is powerful and make him the least in the kingdom. Isn't that an amazing thing? Why? Because God was a part of your creation. When you were conceived, God began his work in molding you and creating you exactly who you needed to be. And when you came out, your parents held you for the first time. If you were a woman, if you were a little girl, God designed you that way. And at the base level, but most important level of all, God designed you to grow up and be a mother of children. That's what he he designed you for. Did he design you for other stuff? Absolutely. But at the base level and the most important level, he designed you to be a mom. If you were born and you were a male, 
God did not make a mistake. He did not send you into, the life, into this life to try to figure out what gender you are. He made you specifically, and it was a wonderful thing. And at the base level of all of that, ladies and gentlemen, he designed you to be the best father that you could be for the children that your wife would have one day. He designed you to lead your family. He designed you to be a father to children because that, ladies and gentlemen, is healthy. It's healthy. So we don't have to, the burden of trying to decide who I am is off my shoulders. God gave me that as a gift. And he made other people with other things, with other qualities. And it's an amazing thing. I praise you, Father, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. That's in the womb. Intrinsically woven in the depths of the earth. That's another analogy of the womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You are not an accident. You are not something that just came to be because of some evolutionary thing. You are not. God created you, and he created you with a purpose, and that is the purpose that you need to live, live in your life. That's the purpose. So turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> By the way, there's a... Um, Here's an old kid's story. It's in a book. I, I thought we had this book, but we don't. It's about an egg that a farmer found, and he put it up underneath the chicken. When it hatched, it was an eagle. The story's called An Eagle and a Chicken. And so the eagle grew up as a chicken, ate food like a chicken, walked like a chicken, talked like a chicken, all that kind of chicken. But inside, he, he just didn't feel like it was the right place for him to be. One day, the book, as the story goes, he looked up in the air and saw that an eagle was flying through. And he asked his little brother and, I guess, sister chickens. He, had, he asked the sister chickens, he said, what is that? And they said, an eagle. Oh, they fly. They fly for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. Well, as he saw that eagle fly, something burned inside of his heart. And so he said, I don't know if I'm a chicken. So he started to fly, and eventually at the end of the story, he becomes the eagle that he was created to be. I say this because some people in this life will tell you that you're a chicken when you're an eagle. And some people will tell you you're an eagle when you're a chicken. You need to not grab a hold of that lie that they're telling you because that's a false truth. You need to be exactly who God has created you to be. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says this, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing up themselves swift destruction. False teachers. And many will follow their sensuality. You need to underline that word sensuality because that defines what's happening today. 
And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They will make you food. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For our graduates, I know one of you is going into the workforce, and I think that's absolutely incredible. This country was built on people that didn't go to college. And not everybody needs to go to college. There's some people that can be very successful, just as successful as people without a college degree um, going into the workforce. It's really just that way. But here, if you go to a school, you might encounter some false teachers in your school. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to inject you with their truth or their falsehoods, their deception. So they inject you. And so you go to one class and they inject you and then you come back with questions and they inject you some more. They're always trying to put something inside of you that isn't supposed to be there. They're supposed to teach you, they're trying to teach you something that isn't supposed to be there. And so false teachers always try to inject you with something. A teacher of truth doesn't do that. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a minute. A teacher of truth doesn't try to inject you. You see, I am not trying to inject you with some type of belief system. That is not my job. My job is not to try to convince you of what the truth is. That is not my job. My job is to proclaim the truth to you and tell you what it is according to the scripture. I did not come up with the stuff that I preached to you on Sunday morning. I didn't come up with it. I plagiarize God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit every Sunday. I'm a plagiarist. I take their concepts and I teach it to you. I proclaim it to you. I plagiarize what God has given to me to give to you. It is not something that I'm tr- I came up with and I just want you to believe because I'm trying to start a movement, my own movement, in a particular direction. That is not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to connect you with God and to do that, I proclaim his truths to you. Now the question comes up, well, how do you know that your truths are really God's truths? Well, I don't have to, time to fully unpack that, but if you notice 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, For no prophecy was ever proclaimed by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, this book right here is the same that it was 2,000 years ago. It is not different. And the truths that were applicable to the people 2,000 years ago are still the truths that are applicable to us today. This is what we live You see, the truths that they inject you with, the false teachers today inject you with, will change in 20 years. There will be a whole new set of stuff that they're teaching. In fact, they will tell you that what they were teaching 20 years ago wasn't exactly correct, and they will have to change it somehow. Listen, we have all seen this recently. What was true in 2020 wasn't true in 2021 is not true in 2022. We have seen this happen. That just happened a little quicker than it normally does. But these injections, they're trying to inject you. We are not trying to inject you. We're trying to give you something that the God that created you wanted you and wants you to know. He wants you to know it. And so he gave a book so that you will know it. 
Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, turn there. False teachers inject. We are preaching what God has given us to tell people. So if we're not injecting, what are we trying to do? What am I trying to do every Sunday morning? What am am I trying to do? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. If you're a person in this room that has asked forgiveness for your sins and asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, Jesus Christ has given you a gift that I cannot give you. In fact, there's nobody in this room that can give you that gift. And that gift that he gives you is not just salvation. It is actually the God that created you. He has decided to take up residence inside of your body. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he indwells you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. He seals you. Jesus Christ is inside of you. God the Father is with you. The power of the God that created the universe has been gifted to you through his grace. What on earth could I inject inside of you that is greater than that? Nothing. God has already given it to you. My job on Sunday morning is to stir that gift inside of you and get it for you to bring it out of you. I'm not putting it in you. I'm trying to stir you up. I am an official stirrer of the pot in the church. (laughs) Officially. In fact, there's some of you that voted me in 14 years ago to do that job. And so every Sunday, I'm trying to stir you up to good works. I'm trying to stir you up to live out your faith. I'm trying to stir you up to do the things that God has called you to do. That is my job. I am not trying to inject you with some type of horrible truth. I'm trying to stir up what's already inside of you because you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what I am trying to do. Not inject, stir you up. And do you know what the church is supposed to do according to Scripture? Each one of you are supposed to stir up other people in the church. Scripture's very clear. You and I stir each other up to good works. We're not trying to say, I'm really trying to invest in you and really trying to get you to see the importance of doing good works and and all that kind of stuff. That's not what we're trying to do. We are trying, everybody in this room is trying to encourage one another toward good works for God, for his honor and his glory. That's what we're doing. I'm trying to draw that out of you, and you should be trying to draw that out of everybody in this room. Well, Philip, nobody's doing that for me. That's not the point. You're supposed to be doing it for someone else. Helping them get to that thing that God has placed inside of them, that gift that God has placed inside of them so that they can use it for his honor and his glory. It is a remarkable thing that I do not have to come up with what I need to do in this life. Do you know know how much stress that is? Try to figure out what you're going to do in this life. Weighs on your shoulders. Yeah. You know, we try not to, in fact, we didn't. Um, 
Quinn and Aurora, we never asked them that question until I started paying for the college. <laughs> Just let them be who they're supposed to be. And then when we asked them the question, it was, what do you think God has gifted you to do? So in college, they, they've started to figure that out. Quinn is going to be a psychologist. He's going to be a psychologist. And he is gifted in that area more than, more than I realize. It's funny, but it's, it's more than I realize. Aurora, a teacher. So through this, they figured it out, the gift that God had given them, the talents that God had given them, and they brought it out. You see, we, we spend way too much time trying to figure out externally what we want to be so that we can attach it to ourselves when God's already given you who and what you're supposed to be and what you have to do is go internally to figure that out and then do it. Now, I'm not telling you to go up, go up to a mountain and find yourself. That's stupid. It's stupid. For a Christian, it's absolutely idiotic to go up on a mountain and try to find yourself. Dumb. Do you know why? Because Jesus has already found you. Jesus has already found you. He's already given you the gifts that you need. And all you have to do is figure out what they are and then do them. You don't have to choose and try to figure out and I'm making the right choice. You pray and God sets your path and you do that thing for him and it comes out of you. I don't inject it into you. Your parents don't inject it into you. Nobody injects that stuff into you. It's already there and it comes out and you become who God created you to be. There's nothing better than in this life than to know what God has created you to be and then you do it. I'm created as a man. I'm created with these gifts and this is how it fits in with God's plan. Amazing. So the text continues here in Ephesians. And verse 11 says this. And he gave the apostles the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up, get that? The building up of the body of Christ, pulling that out of people, not tearing it down, but building it up. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes. Let me put that in the terms that we've been using today, okay? So that we may no longer be children injected to and fro, Injected with this one day, injected with that the next day, injected with this concept this day, and trying to change us away from God's word and away from what God has designed us to be. Instead of doing that, rather, speaking the truth in love. What truth? Well, the truth that he's already given us that we don't have to decide on, that we don't have to come up with. We speak the truth in love, and we are to, you could underline this, grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Your job is not to try to figure out what to attach to yourself out here to become something that you're not created to be. 
Your job is to take how you are wonderfully designed and the giftedness that God has already placed inside of you and then grow in that over your lifetime. So at the beginning, we all start immature. But we attach ourselves to the way God designed us and we start taking steps to exercise those gifts. And as you grow into maturity, you don't stop growing. So I think a lot of Christians, they, they grow from immaturity to maturity and then they stop growing as a mature Christian. And then what happens is they go back to being immature. See, growth, ladies and gentlemen, is for your entire life. You grow. My giftedness today As I grow in it, tomorrow I should be better at it. Is everybody tracking? No matter what it is. If you have the gift of mercy and you start start living your life young, by the time you get older, you should be really a lot better at it. And you continue to grow in the giftedness that you have until God takes you home. It is so exciting to know everything you need is already in you. It's already there. God has given it to you. So exciting to know. It's so nice to know that that weight is off your shoulders. And all you have to do is be who God created you to be. And I encourage you to do that. So I was was at home and was revealing this and it really didn't have an ending, you know, to this whole thing. And I was trying to think of an ending and I was in my piano room and I happened to look on my little coffee table there and there's one of my favorite books, you know, um, a boy, a mole, a fox, and a horse. I love that book. So I picked it up and I was like, well, I wonder if there's anything that would fit into what we're doing today. And lo and behold, because that book isn't the Bible, but it's pretty good, right? Um, there was something that was in there. So I want to show it to you. So here it is. What is your best discovery, asked the mole? That I am enough as I am, said the boy. Now let me qualify this. If you're not a Christian in the room, you are not enough as you are. But if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and he has given you that gift of grace inside of you, and you have God living inside of you, you are enough as you are. The only requirement that you have is to grow with the talents and giftedness that he has placed inside of you. Michael, I don't have to be like you. I don't have to be like, I don't have to be like you. And you don't have to be like me, right? Freddie, you don't have to be like me. Aren't you glad? (laughs) And I don't have to be like you. I don't have to be like you. Brad, I can't do what you do. You're, You're like the one band man doing foot pedals and all kinds of stuff. But I don't have to be like you. I just have to be like me and you have to be like you. I could go all over the room. You are enough as you are if you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And now, all you need to do is grow in that.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. And I'm thankful for this message this morning. I praise you, Lord, because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. As I look at this entire room, you did not make a mistake. As I look in a mirror, you didn't make a mistake. We're thankful for that. I'm also thankful, Father, and with the rest of the people in this room that you have given us a gift. You designed us with talents. You designed us with abilities. But then when we were saved, you gave us spiritual gifts. So we don't have to figure out what we need to adjust to be. We are already who we are because you created us that way. All we have to do is grow. Grow. Grow in maturity. Father, our desire is to bring you honor and glory. If there are people in this room that keep trying to be stuff that they're not, they're being injected with all this stuff that the culture is injecting them with. I pray that this morning that by the power of your spirit, you'll shine through that. You'll touch their heart. You'll stir them up. You'll show them the gift that you've given them. Then they'll make a determination this morning that by the power of your spirit, they will live in that reality. The reality that says we are created to do great things for God, whether we're chickens or eagles. We are designed to do great things for God and be a part of a plan that's bigger than us and you have empowered us to do that. For most of us in this room, if not all, everybody, we're committing to you this morning to grow. To grow. And in that growth, we know we will encourage other people to also grow in their faith as well. So help us be very effective in that task. So we... We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this closing song. <clears throat> I'm here to pray for you if you need that. This is a moment.